Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I'm Mark Pugh. I'm a pastor of, of outreach and operations here at the Vine, and it's, it's great to be with you guys, to be able to share with you all this morning from God's Word. But before we start, I just, I've got one thing I, I need to do and say, and that is to wish somebody really important to me happy birthday in Knoxville, Tennessee. Dad, happy 90th birthday. So we're in, uh, we're in a, a series in the book of Romans. And today we're in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Um, but before we get going, I just want you guys to go with me for one minute. Just take a little breather here and, and ask yourself, think back, what was the best Christmas gift you ever got? Best Christmas gift you ever got. So um, hopefully you got a gift. You can keep thinking about it. Uh, Ron and I, we're going to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary this July. And so she has had all sorts of opportunities to give me great gifts. <laughs> but one year, she really knocked it out of the park. She gave me this gift of George Washington. It was a print, and he's kneeling, he's praying, it's snow, his horse is behind him. It's just an awesome print. I love history. I love, love George Washington. I love our country. And that same year, she gave me a chair. But it wasn't a normal chair. It was a chair that kind of was round, and it was right at TV eye level, because we didn't have flat screens back then. And it was perfect for video games. And it made me think, hey, she obviously, <laughs> whoa, that's right, it was great. It was a great gift, but you know what? I don't know about y'all's gift, but as I sit here and think about those gifts, I'm not sure they really, really impacted my life for the better all that much. But today, when we look at the gift of the gospel, we're going to see that it really does. It impacts our life. Because the gift of the gospel, it allows us to live our lives by faith. So let's, let's look at our passage. Romans 1, verses 16, 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. As we look at the very beginning of verse 16, we see right away, Paul, he's digging this gift. He's not ashamed of it. It says right here, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Like, why not? Why is that even important in this passage? And to understand that, we need a little bit of context. So Paul, he's writing to the people in Rome. We already knew that. Rome's one of the most important cities in the world. It's a key city, kind of like what we have going on here. There's a lot of abundance, a lot of abundance, especially with the wealthy. The church, on the other hand, is, is it's probably little house churches. They're probably in the poor parts of Rome. Um, the people there probably didn't have as many rights and freedoms. And here they are. They're worshiping this, this God that has been put to death by 
the Roman government because they would have looked at the Roman government. They would have looked at Caesar as if they had all the power. And here they're worshiping somebody that's been put to get death by them. So you can see, maybe, maybe a little bit ashamed how they might feel that. I mean, how's a dead prophet more important than the most important, the most influential leader in the world, Caesar? And sometimes I think I act like maybe I'm ashamed of the gospel. And I've got it really easy as compared to the early church in Rome. So what made Paul so confident? Was it, was it just because he's like this Superman believer? Like he, he clearly was an amazing follower of Christ, but I, I don't think that's it. You know, I, I think Paul understood how unbelievably important this gift was to him. He understood the power of the gospel. It was way more than just temporary salvation from our struggles that we're having on a daily basis. That's what the Roman people would have been really needing is just to make it through the day. Now, Paul knew that the gospel was way more than that. He knew, he knew that it was life or death. He knew what it, that living that way in this life today was just better. He had lived a self-righteous life where he was trying to attain his salvation through his own work, and he knew the struggle with that. God had shown Paul what the gospel is and how it impacts us, and he wanted to make it clear to all of us today and to the church that we should not be ashamed of it. You know, in our context, we sometimes need to look before or after our passage, and looking after our passage, looking at verse 18, after 16, 17, we're looking at today, really all the way through about chapter 3, we're going to see that, that Paul's talking about all of mankind is really corrupt. They're bankrupt. They're selfish. We're going to get into this more and more over the next couple of weeks, so, so buckle up. But as he talks about that, he, he talks about how some people are, are, some men are just openly rebellious. And then there's others that are trying to live a good life. They're trying to be morally good. But they all need God's righteousness. And we see this real clearly in chapter 3, verse 10. It says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. I know this was my story. You know, the reason this context is so important is it helps us understand how valuable this gift really is to us. Paul's addressing how this gift he takes care of this problem. The problem that, that no one is righteous, not even one. So today, as is, is we unpack this and we think about, well, the gospel being this gift that allows us to live our lives by faith, we're going to answer three questions. What is the gospel? How do we get it? And what do we do with it? So if we answer that first question, what is the gospel? We see it in verse 16, 17. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Greek, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So this word, the word uh, in Greek for gospel, it's evangelon. Ev equals good. And the agelo, it means to proclaim. So it means to proclaim the good news. So it's possible you'd, you'd be walking down the street in, in Rome, just like you would here today, and say, hey, Brian, what's the good news today? You'd hear that kind of language. William Tyndale, an old church hero from the 1500s, he was martyred for his faith. 
And he said, this is a great quote, he said that the gospel signified good, merry, glad, and joyful tidings that make a man's heart glad. It makes him sing and dance and leap for joy. Does the gospel do that for us today? From our text, we can see the gospel is good news because it's a gift that gives us, those who believe, salvation. We have this eternal hope. And you see, it's good news because it's for everyone. In this case, Paul's talking about for the Jew first and the Greek, but what he's really saying is it's, it's for all nations, for all people groups. There's no one above one another in the gospel. We are all in desperate need of this good news. You know, if this gift of the gospel, if it gives us salvation, well, how does it do that? How does it give us salvation? And it's because of the work Jesus did for his people. Jesus being fully God and fully man, he lived this perfect life without sin. And he, he willingly went to the cross to die for his people, to take away our punishment that we so deserve, to give us forgiveness because we are a sinful people. And that's kind of a hard reality to accept. I know for me, a day doesn't go by. I'm not at least a little bit selfish. And I don't necessarily always want to honor the Lord with everything I'm doing. It could be as subtle as, as I'm praying for my kids. And, I, and I'm praying for them to, to know the Lord more deeply. And that's a, that's a great prayer. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But as I sit there and think about it, well, what I really want is I want their life to be better. I know if Reese and Riley trust in the Lord, their life is going to be better. And that's what I'm really after. I'm really just wanting my kids to be happy and good. Versus really wanting to bring glory to God. And that's on a good day. On a bad day, I may not think about the Lord a ton or, or really ask him to lead me throughout the day. You know, the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection is that we get to see God doing what he promised with Adam and Eve. When they sinned, this, he gave us a promise. He was going to redeem a people for himself. And, and this is a down payment for that, to restore things in heaven and on earth, this new heaven and new earth, that he'll show us glimpses of it until he comes back and he fully guarantees and completes the promise. We see that in Colossians 1, 19 to 20. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. See, he not only saved me, but he's made a way for all of us, his people, to, to join him in this rescue of this planet because this gift of the gospel, we get to enjoy his creation. We get to enjoy each other right now. We get to see glimpses of heaven right now because Jesus is on the throne right now. And this should impact our work. It should impact our daily activities. It should impact everything we do because all of it has an internal impact. So our text also tells us that part of why this is such an amazing gift is that it reveals God's righteousness. We see that in verse 17. It says, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I work for the church and I don't hear the phrase God's righteousness every day. I mean, it could be a little confusing. What is that? So let's, let's try to define what is God's righteousness. And I mean, the first thought I had was, what's his holiness? Uh, what's that? 
Well, his holiness is it's just his perfection. It's him always acting right and justly. It's him living for, always living for and obeying God the Father. You know, in verse 18, we kind of see a little bit of a comparison where he's talking about the unrighteous, and he says the unrighteous unrighteous are, are suppressing the truth. They're suppressing the truth that God is God, that he is supreme. So we see godly people, the righteous, they trust in God, but the unrighteous, they don't trust in God. In verse uh, 29 from chapter 8 in the book of John, we see Jesus. He says, I always do what pleases God. Always. And then a few verses later in verse 46, he says, can any of you prove me guilty of any sin? Jesus was sinless. He was righteous. In the same way God's wrath is effective, God's righteousness is effective. We can trust it. It allows us to, to act in a way that is accordance to what should be done. Again, a righteous man is right. A righteous man does what is right, but we can't do that on our own. This is a gift. The gospel is a gift because of our righteousness, our right standing. It's from the righteousness of Christ. It's not from our own efforts. It's a beautiful uh, verse here in 1 Corinthians 1.30. says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, Jesus, he lived this, this perfect righteousness, always seeking to honor the Father. And that's the threshold of what's right and wrong. You know, we're either seeking to honor the Father all the time, every day, every moment, or we're not. And we deserve punishment. James chapter 4 talks a little bit about, you know, if we don't do what we know we're to do, we're in sin. One of our bigger problems really is what's our heart doing? Because our heart's dictating what we are and aren't going to do. The good news of the gospel is that Christ no longer not only does he have the power to pay my debt, to take care of my, my punishment, but he also has the power to change me. You know, he changes my very nature. He changes my heart and desire. He renews me to go out and display who he is. And because of Christ, we can be gradually lifted from this sin nature. You know, the gospel, it's not just advice to help us be better people. It's power. Again, the gospel and God's righteousness is what changes us. It's what helps us to accomplish this mission that he has to redeem a people for himself and to restore his kingdom. We, we see a great verse, Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, so we've answered the question, what is the gospel? Let's talk about how do we get it? How do we get God's righteousness? And we see that in verse 17. It says we get God's righteousness from faith. We see in Philippians 3, 9, there's a verse that, that, that va- the faith is really faith in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So what is faith? You know, faith isn't something we can attain. Faith is a gift that we receive from God. And this gift that he gives us, it involves 
knowledge and involves content. It's, it's something that, that we've got to believe in to understand. We need to read God's word. We need to know what, what he is and who he is through God's word. This means that we need to be around people that know and can explain who he is to us. We need to be discipled. And we need to be discipling others. We can't just show up on Sunday for a few minutes and expect that we're going to know all this. There's work to be done. And that work spurs on our faith, which spurs on the faith of others. You know, faith, it involves a heart response to the gospel. If we understand this this good news of Jesus' death on the cross, it'll move us. It'll change our hearts. It'll take our breath away. But if we don't, if we don't really get that, we're going to have a hard time believing. We're going to have a hard time seeing life change. And faith, it involves a commitment that Jesus is my Savior. We have to believe and be committed that Jesus is the Lord of my life. And he's asking me to join him on this mission to restore all things to himself. I think if we believe that, we'll, we'll want others to believe that as well. You know, again, our faith comes from God revealing himself to us. This isn't something we would have figured out on our own. You know, it's, it's kind of like um, we, we, we lived in the darkness. And then Jesus, he, he goes over and he turns on a light switch. And he reveals himself to us. And he invites us in to join him. Yeah, I know this was, this was true for me. You know, I, uh, I wasn't looking for Jesus. But he gave me faith. Man, he was so merciful and gracious to me. But for me to know him, he had to let me suffer for the actions and my sin in my life. Now, I was, I was a mess in my teens and my 20s. I worked too much. I drank too much. I was all about myself. But God, but God opened my eyes and gave me faith in 1998. The beauty of my journey is that now because I have faith in Christ, God has imputed his righteousness into me. He's put his righteousness into me into me. So I don't have to to deal with the guilt and the shame of my past. And when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' perfect life, his righteousness inside me, just like he does for all believers, because he's imputed that into us. This is that this beautiful gift that I received because of the faith that God gave me. Okay, so we've answered the question, what is the gospel? We've answered how do we get it by faith? Well, what are we to do with God's righteousness? What do we do with this? And the answer, it's found right there in verse 17 too. We're we're to live by faith. And, And that might not sound that amazing, but it really is. To realize that we get to enjoy living with the creator of it of of all things for eternity, forever and ever and ever. We get to enjoy this life because God's given us faith in Him. Versus the opposite of people who don't have faith. That's amazing. And today, we get to live by faith rather than living as slaves. We get to live freely. We we don't have to live like slaves just constantly worried about how good we are. Or how how good a parent we are. How good we are at our jobs or comparing ourselves to other, other people. We get to act free. 
We get to be free to live the life God has called us to without worrying about it, without worrying about what other people think. We don't have to worry about our desires because God will change because of his righteousness within us. God will change our desires to line them up to be what his desires are. He will change us at a heart level. Again, we get to become free versus living like a slave like we do so often. But living by faith, it's not easy because our sin, it begs us to to want to live by our own power instead of God's power. You know, in our passage, this word power, it's where we get the word dynamite from or dynamic. God's power, it's effective. I mean, a lot of times dynamite's explosive and it can do a lot of damage, but then there's transformation and it, it paves a way for change. That's what God's dynamic love for us to do. It changes us. And when we have faith, we believe something is trustworthy. God's power is trustworthy. As we live by faith, we trust that God cares for us. And and he, he gives us the faith that we need to do the next thing. We see that in verse 17, that it's faith for faith. And some translations say it's, it's faith first to last. And what that really means is God gives us our faith, and then he keeps giving us our faith to get us through it. He's not, he's not going to let us go. He's going he's to carry us through what we got to go through. So here's some, here's some um, ways that, that God has uh, been carrying me lately. How living by faith is impacting my life. And you know, I've talked about this maybe a few times before, but I am always in a hurry. Like I'm just in a hurry. I want to get things done. And I, I realize I need to work on this. You know, this, one of the hard parts about it is I've, I've come to realize that I've kind of built my brand on this. Like, you know, the Pew brand, it's like this really good brand. I, I want to, in my mind, I, I want to get things done. I want to be efficient. I want to be effective. That's really important to me, and that's led me to some great things, I guess, but it's also led me to be very dependent upon my own works. I don't trust in the Lord as well as, as I could. I'm not dependent upon him because, because I'm always in a hurry, because I think I need to do this. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus, he's changing me. He's changing my very nature. He's changing my heart's desire. He's allowing me to, to deal with this in traffic or when that guy's making your sub at the grocery store or I'm trying to get some work to done. I'm starting to realize, hey, that task, God's got this. He's got the outcomes of this. And maybe being present is good. And there's a beauty in that that he's been working on in me. You know, another example is uh, I've had to meet with our neighbors, our church neighbors, wonderful people. I've had to meet with them four times as we keep negotiating. Like, how's the best way to get permission to go build this foster home on our property? And you can imagine that, that could be a challenging meeting because not everybody wants a foster home right, right beside them. But for me, I haven't really stressed that much about it. I've prepared. I have gone into the meetings prepared, but I realize God's got the results of this. And then the last example for me is, and and again, some of you guys know this, but I suffer from tremors. It's called essential tremors. And what that really means is my hands shake and sometimes I can't control them. And it can be frustrating. Yes, it's a little thing. It really is, but it's a little frustrating. Now, I will say it's pretty entertaining to watch me try to eat peas out of a fork. (laughs) 
But you know what? Living by faith makes me realize that, you know, the tremors, they don't define me. I'm a child of God. I have tremors because we live in a fallen world. And there's so much more suffering going on. This suffering, just like all of our suffering, it's a reminder, living by faith, it's temporary. God's righteousness is within me. And because of that, I have Jesus that will help me with my issues today. And I have an eternal hope. And that is a beautiful place to be. I know in heaven, I'm, I'm going to be there and I'm not going to have tremors. Living by faith in Jesus, it doesn't necessarily make the outcomes of our day that much better. Meetings can be still hard. I still got tremors. But it helps us to deal with it in the moment by giving it up to Jesus. You know, I know as I trust his righteousness inside me that it spurs on more faith, which then spurs on more faith in myself and to others. And this is a whole lot better way of living. This is a way to live freely rather than trying to make it happen for myself. Whether to be, uh, rather than trying to be all about me. Because eventually I'm going to fail. There's a great quote, it's a long quote from St. Augustine. It's a church he wrote from the 300s. And I want to read it. It says, um, every individual, every individual is created with a spiritual God-shaped vacuum. And it will be filled by something, either divine spiritual truth or ugly spiritual lies. Every one of us has an innate desire to be changed, especially in a way that will make them feel less guilty and more content. We seek to fill this need by immersing ourselves in a variety of programs, philosophies, and religions that promise to meet our felt need. Sadly, these methods, they may succeed in making people feel better about themselves, but they have no ability to liberate them from their enslavement to the power of sin, which stimulates sinful behavior and the resultant feelings of guilt and discontent. Because we know we're not right with God. You know, to the Romans... Their good news probably would have been that there was a new Caesar in power. And he was going to advocate for him. He was going to bring peace and prosperity. So what's the good news that we're dealing with? What, what are we filling our hope up with? What's our culture putting their good news in? What is filling the spiritual vacuum that St. Augustine says? And I think a, a lot of people today, they're putting their hope in the, in the social good news of equal rights. Others are putting their hope in economic prosperity or saving the environment. Or perhaps it's about my politician got elected. That's my good news. You know, to the church in Rome, this message would have been really relevant. It would have combated the same kind of stuff that we're dealing with today. See, God's righteousness, it should impact us every single day. And it should help free us from getting bogged down into some of these false hopes of other good news. You know, and as Christians, our view of power, it really ought to be different than those around us. Our view of power is being meek. Our view of power is, being, is serving versus being served. Our view of power is, is being sacrificial and generous versus accumulating things. It's giving our life away rather than protecting it. That's our power. And it's God's power that allows us to live by faith. And this faith, it helps us to live humbly. It gives us a hope for today as well as an eternal hope. You know, living by faith, it teaches us to not say, hey, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get that done. It teaches us to learn to say, 
if God wills it. Then I'll get it done. The good news that we've been given is the way of salvation. It's, it's not this, this, right, the, this condemning righteousness. It's not a standard of judgment against us. It's this gift of God that gives us the ability to live our lives for him. The more we rely on Jesus, the more we're motivated to not waste our time on silly things, that we make it our goal to be on mission to advance his kingdom wherever God places us. You know, if left to our own, we'd be in trouble. I think we'd probably live a life of frustration and then we'd be eternally judged. It's like we're, we're swimming in this, this pool of life. We're just treading water. We're kind of struggling. We're getting up every day. We're going to work, going to bed. We're getting up every day. We're going to work, going to bed. We're doing it over and over and over and over. And then God, one day, drops a life preserver, pulls us out of the pool. We get up and we look around and we realize everybody's struggling. We're so thankful. It's so hard to see people living like slaves that are, that are imprisoned. Even if they get out of prison, they, you still can't help but to think, man, how much time did we waste here not being able to live freely? Like the Apostle Paul, when we talk about Christ and the good news of the gospel, we have no reason to hesitate. We have no reason to stutter or apologize. There's nothing in the gospel that we should be ashamed of. When Rhonda, she gave me that, that George Washington print, it was, a, it was a beautiful gift, and now I get to joyfully display it to others. That's what we're to do with the gospel. We display it to others. So as we wrap up this morning, let's remember, the gospel is a gift that allows us to live by faith, and it is a beautiful and freeing way to live. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.